0: Well, good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is February 10th, 2021, and we want to get right into the Word tonight. So everyone, turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 113. Say dialed in whenever you're there. Oh, come on.
1: We're getting there, Pastor. Give him just another second here. Here we go. Dialed in.
0: Is everybody dialed in? in. Psalm 119, verse 113. I hate Google-minded. I'm sorry. I hate double-minded people. But I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word.
1: In reading this church, can I get an amen from the body? Amen. The psalmist is declaring his hatred of double-minded people. Can anybody relate to that thought right there? Yeah. We want you to consider some of the dark, duplicited double-mindedness that we have going on around us here in our day. Here we go. Look, the CDC, not to be confused with the mighty DCD people that are here in the room tonight. The CDC is recommending a double-masking policy. Double-masked for the double-mindedness that it is. I mean, double-masking is because, they're saying, of the poor performance of a single mask that you've been told the whole time is the only thing keeping you alive in this time of pandemic. That it's essential to the imminent threat that we face. And as if that wasn't double-minded enough, I kid you not. This is true. The discussion is moving to the merits Not just of wearing a mask. Not just of wearing two masks.
0: Tell me, Pastor.
1: But of wearing three. I I wish I were making these things up. It wouldn't surprise us if soon, in the next month or so, the CDC just begins to tell us to completely wrap our heads with cellophane and call it done. (laughs) Can somebody say double minded? Double minded. Isn't that something?
0: One's good. Two's better. Why not three? Okay. As we were reflecting on just the, the current issues of our dark days and the scripture we started off with, speaking of being double-minded and the madness that goes with it, our new immigration policies have been implemented here recently are forcing local law agencies to have a catch and release system for foreign nationals, get this, this is the reason why we're bringing it up, without the need to perform any COVID testing prior to release. So based on what Pastor just shared with you about the double if not triple layered masking for the safety of of everyone in the country, let me get this straight. Current residents of the United States are mandated to now wear a double mask for the sake of safety However, illegal aliens who are being released into the population of the United States do not need to be
1: tested for the sake of equity. Oh, can somebody say duplicitous? Our new policies go even further into the realm from duplicitous to just downright dark. There has been a moratorium, means there's been a halt on convictions of, as Pastor said, foreign nationals, what we used to call illegal aliens. The federal government has put a halt on pursuing illegal aliens who have been convicted of sex offender crimes. They've been convicted of the crime, and we're saying we're not going to go after them anymore. We're not going to actually bring them in. Further, effective immediately, there will be no more convictions or deportations for those who have been arrested for drug-based crimes, simple assault, DUI, money laundering, property crimes, fraud, or tax crimes. In other words, if you've been caught performing one of these crimes, actually caught, as they say, red-handed, as long as you haven't gotten to the sentencing stage, then you are safe from deportation as of right now. See, the double-mindedness of what's going on in the time around us, this duplicitous nature that is actually infringing upon everyone and and causing harm to the country is what is defining our dark days. It really is. Lastly, we want to demonstrate the double-minded nature of
0: the dark times we're in by pointing out the fact that we are currently, as a nation, impeaching a former president. Not only are the sharks circling in the Congress, but many military leaders appointed by the former president have also been removed purged from their post. Defense Secretary Austin, remember that guy that we told you about last month or last message? He has ordered hundreds of Pentagon advisory board members to resign this month, essentially purging any loyalist and recent appointees by the former president. Sometimes it's hard to believe that we are speaking of the United States rather than the dark times of Germany in 1930. Russia during the Cold War, Romania during the revolution in the late 1980s, or how about the more recent events
1: that have taken place in Turkey just a handful of years ago? Literally just a handful of years ago, four or five years. You know what? I got to tell you that as we are clinching with the darkness in our times, I got to tell you, I don't like writing these parts. I don't, like, I don't like working through this. Let's get back into the Word. Yeah. Let's read Psalm 119, verse 13 and 14 again and see if you agree with us in a different kind of way. Let's see if you agree with the writer of the Psalms here. Psalm 119 verse 113 says, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. You are my refuge. You are my shield. I have put my hope In your word. Somebody say, in your word. In your word. That idea that we can place hope in the character, in the very nature of our God, and the word that he has given us. This passage, you may have it there in your Bibles. You may already know this, but I just thought I'd point this out. This passage is under the heading of the letter Psalmic, which the paleo for Samic has to do with hate and to protect. This is the very first verse that I hate double-minded people. Samik, but I love your law. You are my refuge. You are the one that protects me. You are my shield because I put my hope in your word. Mm. Man, this should start to bring something to our soul. And again, I, wanted, I want to remind you of a prophecy that came forth in the middle of worship through an a prophecy in tongues and an interpretation in a language that most of us can get. God is saying that there are dark days and it's going to get dialed in even in the darkness. It's going to get darker, but we are to put our hope in him. We are to put our hope in his word because it will not fail. It cannot fail. It shall not fail. And it's not just talking about that in a universal sense. It will not fail for you. Somebody say, his word won't fail me.
0: His word won't fail me. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 8. We'll start at verse 22. Say dialed in whenever you're there. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction. Everybody say distinction. Distinction. Between my people and your people. This sign will occur to you tomorrow. We want you to first notice in the beginning of verse 22, he says, But on that day I will deal differently. Well, when we begin to see the character of who God is, And how he interacts with his people, but particularly his people who are oncoming, are facing an oncoming time period of dark days. God is going to deal with his people differently than he deals with the rest of the world. Well, as it continues, you see a relationship of three things that many of you should be familiar with. Differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of fly will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. We see a marriage of three very basic principles throughout the word that constitute what God's heart is, his desire, and his purpose. And that's for the land of his people. That is for the the men of his nation. And that is the purpose or plan that he has for both of them. And what's very clear is that he is dealing differently with the land of Goshen, with the people that dwell within it for the purpose and plan so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. God is making his name, his character, his reputation known as the dark days are approaching and particular the difference between who his people and who those are not his people within that land. Well, we've been starting off every sermon with a scripture relating to Goshen. The light that dwells within Goshen. You know, we think about God making a or dealing differently or making a distinction. In that first day, what does God do? He said, Let there be light. And he separated, he made a distinction between light and darkness. This is the first thing that God does to begin to bring right order in the midst of tohu vavohu, in the midst of chaos. That's what he's been doing since the beginning, and that's what he continues to do. Look at your own life. When did God begin to deal with you differently? It's when the light of his word came into your heart. It calmed the tohu vavohu, and it separated light from darkness within you. Well, when I hear this, the, this word distinction, I not only think about this particular passage, I think of our, our teenage years, <laughs> our teenage years, which are filled with trying to be different, trying to be distinct. But what do you know that's unique that you don't realize until you're about in your late 20s, early 30s, you see those old pictures, there was nothing unique or distinct about the way that you were dressing There was nothing distinct about who you were. Everyone else around you was just like that. But the sinful nature, the mind of man, wants to take his own arm and make himself distinct. It wants to map out your own plot of land to make yourself known to everyone else. There's only one who has the right to make a distinction. And that's God. He is the one who has originated The method of making a distinction. He is the source by which we dial in true distinction. In fact, that's the title of
1: tonight's sermon. Dialing in true distinction. Come on. Somebody say true distinction. distinction. Turn with us to Numbers chapter 23. We're going to look at verse 19 to talk about and say true distinction when you get there. We are in an excellent time. We are in an incredible time. The darkness that is around us is going to let those who have the true distinction of the Father upon them shine like stars in the heaven. Yeah. They're going to shine even brighter. You are going to get a chance to shine even brighter in these dark days. Yeah. Look at Numbers 23, 19 to see the source of true distinction. I'm sorry. Numbers 23, 19. I'll get it right in here in a second. Now, I want to, first of all, tell you that I do not like the NIV 2011 on this. Tell us, brother. God is not human. Thank you. Thank you. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a son of man that she, he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does He promise and then not fulfill? If you want to talk about a true distinction, you got to start off with the source of distinction and understand that He is not a man. He is not at all like you and me. He is not limited the way that we are. He is able to not only act, but He is able to fulfill. Now, I want to share something with you. The men on Monday night in Foundations, if you weren't here and you missed that, we're going to actually in the very near future, start posting some of our teachings from Jeremiah onto our sermon app, not in the playlist, but on the series. If you haven't noticed and gone to our, our sermon app lately, the playlist is our Sunday and Wednesday. If you go to the series, you'll find the maximizing marriages. You'll find the, our strengthening of our singles and our solidifying our singles you're going to find the book of Jeremiah starting to appear there, just the audio. But you are still much better off if you show up here on Monday night. What our brothers went through when they talked about the validity and the centrality of Israel through the scripture? Do you remember those 11 if you were here on Monday, if you were here on Monday night raise your hand? I'm telling you that so moved my heart on Monday, I had to go and we read them again as a family. And we've been talking about them again. We've been even adding some scriptures to the chain that was there. Because the idea that God is not a man. He will not say something and then it not come about. He will not change his mind or need to change his mind. He doesn't have to change his mind because he got it right the first time. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he said it for the nation of Israel, he will carry it out. But it gets even better than that. This is not a God that's just predicting the future. I see and I prognosticate. He is making it happen. When he speaks, he is able to make it come to be. He is able to do that for us, church. Not only will he do it with with the nation of Israel, his chosen, that central people group that have a land and they have a plan because it started with the man Abraham and now it's going to his seed. If he did it with them, he can do it with you. If he did it for them and is going to do it for them, he can do it for you. My God, what will change in your life right now? What kind of distinction would come upon you if that actually settled in somewhere beside your brain and it got so deep in your spirit that you realized that if he said, has anybody in this house had a word from the Lord, an actual, an actual genuine word from the Lord? Yes. Yes. Has anybody in this house been given a prophecy that is about the direction, the future, the end goal that you were supposed to achieve as a human being, yes. then God will not fail you. Amen. He is not a man that he can change his mind. He is not a man that he just kind of fudged it and lied to you. He is a man. He is a God, not like a man. He will speak and then he will act. He will promise and he has the power to be able to fulfill it. As we are talking about true distinction, I want you to know that true distinction starts right there. You, walking in true distinction, starts with you understanding that God will not change his mind. He cannot be moved off of his mark. He cannot be persuaded to do something different. When he says it, he has the power to make it happen. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We're going to walk you through this tonight. We're pledging to just share with you scriptures that have impacted our hearts tonight. We're not trying to be polished. We're not trying to be fancy with you. I have been personally dwelling on this idea. Lord, what does it mean if I really, really know that you're not a man and you won't fail? What would change inside of me right now? Come on. What fears would I start crushing right now if I actually understood and I actually believed it to my core? Instead of letting every misstep that I take cause me to go, well, I don't know if he'll do it. Every difficulty that confronts me, I don't know if he's going to be able to get us through this one. My God, what kind of fears are you going to be able to crush tonight when you understand the distinction of our God?
0: Pastor, I just want to check. Does anybody have fears they need to crush tonight? Yeah. We're giving you the answer. Let's go to Joshua chapter 10. And we'll pick up in verse 8. It's a true distinction when you get there. True, true distinction. True distinction. True, true distinction. Joshua ten eight. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Let me repeat it just in case I stumbled here. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. To give some context, what's happening here in Joshua 10, you had some failures that preceded it. God is saying, do not be afraid of them because He is crushing fear inside of Joshua after having missed what caused the defeat at Ai, having been deceived by the Gibeonites and made a treaty he shouldn't have made. Now, God is speaking right to the center of this man's heart. This man who has witnessed over 40 years of God making a distinction in who he is versus the powers in the heavenly realms. A man who's been familiar with watching God provide for a nation again and again, even though their hearts were stubborn. He was a man who had experience, and yet when going on the inaugural venture into Canaan, the promised land, something he's been longing to put his foot upon, falls right on his face after Jericho. Going, well, Nobody can relate to that. Lord, you're giving me a mezuzah. you give me a family banner. Here I go. One, two, three and you hit the ground what do you do do not be afraid stand up remember who your god is know who your father is remember the good things that he has accomplished already to get you to that point when you stand back up on your feet or you're giving him the ability to let his right arm his mighty power complete through you what you couldn't do by yourself Fear is a nasty enemy, and God sees it as such so much that his number one design in making the men and women of God that do his will is to give him the means to crush that fear. Remember who I am. Don't just remember who you are. Remember who I am. Let's start in the right place. When you begin to know who the Father is, you begin to see fear in its proper light, and you put it underfoot after getting up, hearing this word to not be afraid, how do we know that fear was crushed in Joshua? How do we know that he came back alive? Verse 9 says it. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Church, I want to surprise the dark powers in the heavenly realms. When I get a gut punch, I want to stand right back up and say, I'm not afraid because my God is with me. He's with me. He's for me. His power is at work in me. I'm not going to forget the things that he's accomplished already through me. And there's more to be done. But there comes even a greater moment of distinguishing here. True distinguishing. And that is found in verse 11. As they fled before Israel... On the road down from beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Come on, what was the result of God's power being with Joshua and his men? Crushing power crushing the real enemy that was at hand that being fear and the result was crushing the enemies that were opposing him on earth see god first crushed the fear inside joshua with his word and now he is crushing his enemies with hailstones from the heavens god is making a laser guided distinction between the army that is his and those who are not. Imagine that. You have these armies that are mixed together, they're running down the road, and hailstones are with precision picking off all the enemies in between. Pow, 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 pow. God has greater precision than the United States Air Force ever can imagine. What he is doing, what God is doing, is that he's allowing the situation to be dialing into his true distinction for the sake of Joshua and for the sake of Israel.
1: Church, does anybody love that passage in Joshua 10? Yes, I, mean, I just personally find it incredible. It encourages my soul. Now, let's fast forward that exact moment in Joshua 10 and put it in our life today. On. It's one thing for you to believe that God is good enough that he can pick off the enemies during Joshua's day. But when we are in our day, somebody say my day. My day. Somebody say today. Today. When we're in our day right now and there are things that are swirling, there are difficulties that come, there are things that start to get there. If you're like me at all and you're willing to be honest, there are some fears that start to come and be like, ah, I know conceptually that God is good enough, but are you able to pick off these enemies, Lord? Come on. Let me tell you, the answer is yes. The answer isn't that He doesn't know how to deal differently with you than the enemy. I promise you that there is no confusion in the mind of our God about what he called you to do and what he will help you to accomplish. I don't care how many circumstances today make it look different than what God has said. I don't care, not even a little bit. When you give way to your fear, you are saying that he is like something like us. When you give way to your fear and your knees start to buckle, you're saying, I'm saying he's good, but I'm not sure that he is. I'm afraid that he won't be good to me. My goodness. We have a God who can deal differently with those he's called. We have a God who who can deal differently with you here in this room. He can deal differently with you than he does the rest of the world, and he doesn't even get a little bit confused. Everybody turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Say true distinction when you get there. I promise you that our God is the definition of true distinction. Verse 23 of chapter 4 of the book of Acts, it says this, On their release, Doesn't look like it's just our immigration services that are confused and got a double-minded catch-and-release program going. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they, the whole group, heard this, they raised their voices together because they were really, really worried. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, hold the phone. What if that's not just a title? What if you actually started addressing him like the sovereign Lord? One filled with distinction. One who could not be dissuaded or moved off of what he has already said. Get it. To you. What if you actually started to view him as the sovereign Lord in your life? You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Yep, you're right. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? This is directly from Psalm 2. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Man, I want us to do something tonight. I want you to to feel what I'm feeling. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Moving beyond just being able to agree with this and moving it in to the very fiber of your soul. I don't just acknowledge that he's the sovereign Lord. I'm telling you this week, I'm trying to engage with this and go, wait. Everything that you have said will come to pass or has already come to pass. Everything you said about your nation, Israel, everything you said, you empower your men to do exactly what you want them to do, and I don't care how much adversity comes against them. Lord, I don't want to just know this in my mind. I want every time that there's a little, there's a little gurgle in my own heart about some type of fear. When I, when, I, when I take a breath, and nothing that I say externally to any of you, but somewhere down on the inside where I tense up and go... This is going to be difficult. Why? Why? I serve a sovereign Lord, and if he said it, it will come to pass. He is able to make this happen. He is able to acknowledge the enemies that are around us. He is able to send a heavenly meteor shower to only harm the enemies of God and protect the righteous people of God. He can do it, and I'm going to start trusting him more. Does anybody want to be with me tonight and trust him more in these areas? Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. They were actual threats. There's an actual problem going on. There's an actual darkness around. And enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. What if you didn't think about that as just you preaching somewhere? Huh. What if you didn't presume that that was the person with the microphone? But in your everyday life going, Lord, in this situation, in this situation about our finances, in this situation about my kids, in this situation about sickness, in this situation that nobody else knows about, but somewhere on the inside, I'm fighting to believe that you'll still use me. I'm fighting to believe that you will accomplish in me what you want to do. What if we speak that kind of word with great boldness? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, come on, after, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You want a real and a true distinction? you got to start with understanding that our God is unchanging and he is able to do every good thing that he has promised. Amen. He is able to do this. He's able to handle the threats, the plots, the banding togethers of enemies. Chris Reyesaur, this should should be the definition of your life. People banding together to hurt this brother. Banding together to to try to take down what he's doing for his living. He's He's not the only one. I've watched Judah handle business deals, and I've seen the same thing happen in his life. I've seen the same thing happen in Nolan's life. I've seen the same thing happen in Paul's life. I've seen, I've seen the same banding of the enemy together. For many of you in this room, God is able to carry out his will in you. God is able to do it in you, Andrew Tisdale. Yes. He is able to shake not only a building that you're standing in, but shake the people that are inside of it with his distinction, with his mark, with his will, filling you with the Holy Spirit again, filling your mouths with his words, but not just for a sermon. Filling your mouth with his words as you go about your day, as you engage and you quit letting the faithless fear filled words come out of your mouth and you let his words come out of your mouth even while you're processing through something even while you're just sharing your heart god is able to crush the fear inside of you how does that fear feel when it rises up in you me it's right in this area right here i don't know where it is i don't know where it is in you i'm just telling you right in here i start to feel things tightening up now I'm telling you, I'm going. The first second that I fear that feel that, I'm like, "Nope. Nope, my God is able. He is Amen. faithful. Amen. He is good. Amen. His word will never fail me. That has to be submitted to God's true distinction. and I've been doing that, and I, let me tell you something. When you eliminate your fear down to seconds instead of minutes or hours or days, no come on. And what did it for me, what God moved in my heart was Monday night when these men were preaching about Israel. I was like, you're going to do it for them. I know it. You can do it for me, too. Amen. You're going to do it for me, too. I have no reason for fear. As a matter of fact, fear is a stinking liar. It is. Fear is causing me to doubt the only one that cannot be doubted. Fear is making me accuse him of wrong, and he's the only one that's ever treated me right. Amen. But maybe that's just me.
0: No, not at all. You know what's really neat about this uh, verse in Acts 4.31? It's evident that they had crushed fear. It's that last word, boldly. They just didn't go speak the word. Excuse me, would you like to hear about Jesus. They boldly proclaim the word of God. How do you know whenever fear is being crushed in you? In microseconds, there is a boldness as a result of it. Go to Micah chapter 7. Let's pick up verse 18. It's a true distinction when you get there. Who is a God like you? <laughs> not one.
1: Not even close.
0: Who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. Come on. On that alone. not just the fact there's none that can compare to who he is, not only the addition that he pardons and forgives transgression, but those that are the remnant of his very inheritance, those that belong to him. This will get clearer as we go. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob yes, and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Did you hear that he said he's not going to be angry forever? but he delights to show mercy. He is ready and willing to show mercy. That he again has compassion on us and will tread our sins underfoot. Hurl all iniquities. Look, this should not only crush your fear, but the second thing you should hear in this passage, it annihilates your anxiety. How many of you wrestle with anxiety of this very fact? I'm not sure if I am or am not doing what pleases God. Uh, My my anxiety about getting it perfect dominates me more than the instruction from God's Word does. It overcomes you. It begins to seize and grip you. Maybe here, like Pastor said, or maybe it's wrapped around your whole chest and stomach. Maybe there's that painful headache that's there. You can't get that anxiety off your mind until you return to these principles. That he delights to show you mercy. He wants to show you compassion again. Because his heart is about reclaiming the remnant of his inheritance. You are his treasured possession. And he wants you. That if he did it for Israel, he'll do it for you. What you see here is that you will be faithful to whom? Jacob. Who is this Jacob? It's the nation of Israel. Abraham, the father of this very nation, if God desires this for Israel, this is what can happen to us as well. This is the father's heart. See, what God is aimed after is helping us return to walking in shalom with him and dwelling in his favor. Annihilating our anxiety because we know who he is and we're beginning to know who we are inside of him. He wants to make a true distinction of who he is. And first starting with Israel
1: as the example so that we have hope it can happen for us too. Who is a God like our God? He's not like a man. He's not going to make a promise and then not fulfill it. Who is a God like our God? He pardons your sins. He forgives your transgressions. He, He doesn't stay angry forever even when you and I may have deserved it. He delights to show you mercy. How can we have anxiety if we really believe that our God is like no other? How can we really, really have anxiety that's just kind of constantly working on us? I'm not sure if I'm doing what he wants me to do. So you're accusing him of being an angry, mean, harmful, secretive kind of God. That's what, you, that's, what, that's what you and I do. We presume that he can't take care of us today because our bank account is too low. We presume that, that the marriage that we've been in for a while is not getting better enough, fast enough for us to be okay with that. Anxiety. Mm. Tension, anxiety all the time. We're going to an- annihilate your anxiety Amen. tonight. Turn with me to second... Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse 8. May the God of all creation help us to get this. May he help us to move it from us being, yes, I agree with that doctrinal statement. Yes, I agree that there is none like unto you, O Lord. And start living like there is actually no one like him in our everyday life. Trusting that he can carry out his pleasure. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. I want you to read the first four words with me. Ready? And God is able. Stop. Put that in your theology pipe and smoke that. Our God is able. But what about God is able? But how come God is able? I'm not trying to be trite. I'm trying to move us from just thinking that we understand something to moving it into our actual actions, into our being. I know what we need as a church. You know why? Because it's what I need. (laughs) That's the secret of being a good pastor. If the Lord is wrecking me on something, if the Lord is wrecking Pastor Matt, then I know it's what we need.
0: Hey, Pastor, just share with you the secret of being a good leader of your home. You share what's moving you, and it'll be the solution every time.
1: God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, somebody say all things. All things. At all times, say all times. All times. Having all that you need, say all that I need. You will abound in every good work. Somebody say, every good work.
0: Every good work.
1: Is this too simple of a verse for us tonight? Am am I boring you with how simple this verse is? God is able. He's able to take you from where you are and make you what you're supposed to be. He is able to take barren wombs in this room and give you child after child after child. He is able to take you from the pit that you were in before and place you in a, in, a, in a community, in a family where he's speaking to you and dialing you in. He is able to give you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, he is Amen. able. Come on, I want you to have that resonating in your being when you leave this place tonight. Amen. He is able. Stop listening to your anxiety that says that somehow he is not able. We're not allowing ourselves to say that out loud because we know better than to say it out loud. But why do we let it resonate within us so? You got to annihilate. You got to annihilate the anxiety that's going on inside of you. You got to put those fears to death. Why? Because he is able. Yes. You want to talk about true distinction in this house? You have a God who cannot fail you have a god who will not fail not in one thing that he's ever said his promises to his people israel he will fulfill and because of that goodness you can count on him being able to help you too Amen. because he has allowed us crazy gentile graftings to be a part of those same promises we don't replace israel but we get to be a part alongside of them And his great love for them is seen in his great love for us, and that he will bless you abundantly. Not barely, not just a little bit. He will bless you abundantly. Tom and Martha, he's gonna bless you abundantly. Marlon, Lena, he's gonna bless you abundantly. And I don't even, I'm not even worried about the dollars and the cents. We need to have more sense than that. He's going to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why does he give you? Why does he empower you? So you can achieve and become what he said he wants you to become. Look, you don't have to turn there, but think about Revelation 5 for a second. Somebody say, he is able.
0: He is able.
1: Wasn't that the comfort that the Apostle John received? in Revelation? Who's worthy to open the scrolls? No one can. Ah! (laughs) Then an elder came and touched me and said, he is able. Amen. If he's the only one in the heavens or on the earth or under the earth who is able and he is working on your behalf, what does that mean for you tonight, church? It means that you have no place for anxiety. You've got to annihilate it. It means that you have no reason for fear. Amen. Only fear of him. And you've got to crush every other kind of fear. God is going to help us tonight because this church, we are getting to the point where we're knowing, we're starting to walk in, we're just, we're, we're just taking some steps in what God has for us. But in here, I can feel it. We take a few steps forward and then the enemy, because he knows he can't come and hit you in the face, he's trying to make you have internal issues so that you'll just stop and get off the path that God has for you. That our faithlessness would cause us to miss what he had. I promise you, God is able. He is is able to help us tonight. Let's turn to Psalm 89 and verse 5.
0: It's a true distinction when you get there. Is he able, church? When we grab a hold of the fact that he is able, fear is crushed, anxiety is annihilated. You are absolutely unstoppable. What kind of church are we building? We're building an Acts 2 church. We're building a church filled with men, men and women who know that God is able. And it's been tried and proven true over and over again. Yeah. Psalm 89, verse 5. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. Your faithfulness, too. In the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare to the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? Otherwise known as B'nai ha-Elohim. In the council of the holy ones... God is greatly feared. He is more awesome, not just awesome, more more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Look, let's walk you through this. Make sure you're connecting the dots like the Lord helped us. We started out of Numbers 23, declaring that God is not man. Then we move to Micah 7, stating that his relationship with his people is one that he has compassion for, that he wants to restore. And now we see his true distinction praised by the declaration in the heavenly realms. I'm not talking about just the clouds. I'm not even talking about just the stars. I'm talking about the seats of authority in the heavenly realms is where who he is is being compared to and praised about true distinction of who he is is being compared to the Benai Ha Elohim, that council, that secret council of confidants. That word "sowed" that appears here for council. See, this perspective is designed to instill confidence. What we started looking at it was man. Then we begin to look at the nation that God had assembled now we're looking upwards towards the heavens and we're seeing the height and breadth and depth of who God is in comparison to everything that's ever been made but in relation to the heavenly powers that he is superior he is more awesome than every single one of them what kind of confidence does that give you complete confidence complete confidence that there is no power or authority greater than my God. And when he is moving through me, I am unstoppable because my God is greater than all. And do you notice in that last phrase, it says your faithfulness surrounds you. What does that look like? I want to know. I don't know right now, but I want to know. That God is standing in that heavenly realms and his faithfulness surrounds him, envelops him like a garment. It defines who he is and how he moves. But let me ask you this. Who else can say that? None. (laughs) Who else has this true distinction? None. Only God does. Then we begin to focus on that characteristic of who the heavens declare who he is. And we begin to see that face to face. Confidence, complete confidence is the
1: expected and determined outcome. Can you go back to verse 7, uh, Megan? I, I just want to make sure we get this. Pastor did a great job. I, I just I like this passage a lot. In verse 7, it says, In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. <laughs> In the heavenly council with heavenly beings, the heavenly beings are sitting around and they're like, No, he's, he's the most high God. That one right there, he is to be feared. Amen. That one right there, he's got more yeah. power. He could put us all down right now if he wanted to. We are sitting in a council, allowed to be by him, and we're all just afraid of him. Yeah. Your, your response was underwhelming. <laughs> he is the most high God. There is none like unto him, even heavenly beings Quake before him. How can we not have confidence when he's saying, I will be with you? I will give you my spirit. I will help you. I will make you into what I say that you will be. Look at Psalm 145. Psalm 145 and verse 5. Our God is so good, he is so strong. Our words are so weak in comparison to what he is, but I'm trying to let you feel what's going on. I'm trying to let you start thinking about this differently. Quit putting it in the theological category and walking out the door and being afraid for your sick children. Quit putting this in a theological category. Yes, we serve the Most High God. And then live like there is no other authority outside of yourself. You have the one who is above all, and he is on your side. He is working in your behalf. He can help you. But, but Pastor, I've messed up. Of course you have, but it can't mess him up. He didn't get confused when you messed up and then thought you were an enemy and started throwing rocks at you. He's not confused, I promise. Where's your confidence, church? Church. It's got to be in him Yes. every day. Come on, confidence, Leslie Spites. A confidence to walk in the power of God in a daily way. Where's your confidence, David Hall? You can do this because the God, the most high God, is with you. Come on now. You know I can go around the room.
0: I think what Pastor is trying to say is that tonight when you go home and your kids are throwing up and your wife is sick, Start reading these scriptures. Have confidence that the God who is seated above the heavenly realms and the Benai Elohim point to and say, ah, uh, fear him. Begin to use his name in prayer of your children. Use his name in prayer of your wife. God is, is wanting us to have complete confidence in who he is. Priscilla,
1: I know that God has a calling on your life. And whatever you have done is not enough to derail his plan for your life. Because Amen. he's the most high God. Amen. Paul and Lynette, I know that God can work in you. I know that he can bring about his good purposes for you. I am confident in that. Why? Because he is so good. Amen. He is so strong. Amen. There's nothing that can stop my God. Not even my own thoughts about him. I won't wow. let it. Amen. I won't let it. I won't let a faithlessness inside of me cause my words, cause my actions to accuse him of being faithless. Look at Psalm 145, verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob. Does that relate to anybody in this room? Are you relying for your help on the God of Jacob? AJ is. I got one. Whose hope is is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Why does it keep going back to that? Because you got to remember, the same God who made it can help you to be what he's called you to be. He made the heavens and the earth. He can surely figure out how to fix your little problems. <laughs> My dad used to say, he'll fix your little red wagon. God will fix everything about you. God will absolutely get you where you're supposed to get, Carlos and Patricia. He'll absolutely get you where you need to get, Adam and Stephanie. He will absolutely get you where you need to get, Rick and Susan. He will absolutely get you where you need to get, Juan. He'll do it. Amen. Because he is completely, we should be completely confident because he is so righteous. He is so, he carries, he is the true distinction that we need.
0: Amen. Yeah.
1: Come on, turn with us to 2 Timothy chapter 2. While you're
0: turning there, pastor just mentioned a saying from his father. I'll fix your little red wagon.
1: That usually wasn't a good thing. <laughs> no. Nope. Man, I was in trouble.
0: What I immediately think of is, for in order for there to be a true distinction that God's power is with me, an impossibility, that's why I drive a Ford truck. God fixes my red wagon all the time. I'm talking about my heart. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. This is the true distinction of who God is. And to put this in right context, it concludes with, for he cannot disown himself. When all others are faithless, When all the others lose what their distinction is in the kingdom of God, God never loses his true distinction. He never fades. He never wanes. He is constant. He is immutable. He is eternal. And there is none other that we are to put our hope in. But understand the writer of this very passage, Paul. You learn about this particular chapter and what he's saying. I want to ask you, was Paul a double-minded man? Did he put his hope in God's word? Did he love God's law? Was he wishy-washy in the faith? So where did his confidence to endure such trials come from? Where did his confidence come from to be chained like a criminal? As it says in verses prior to what we read. His confidence was made complete. Just knowing the true distinction of who God is in Him. See, all that time He spent meditating, soaking, living in God's Word, being disciple day in and day out, He was knowing who the Father was in the very scriptures that He had spent His life pouring over but missing until He was born again. And now, getting greater revelation of who the Father is, he begins to know who he is. Circumstances did not determine his distinction in the Father. Because the Father's distinction was true, and it never changes inside of him. Our God is the only God who remains faithful when all others are faithless. Knowing who God is will crush your fear. It will annihilate your anxiety. And it will give you complete confidence to joyfully endure any trouble or trial. Trust me, you're going to have opportunity probably before you leave this room to put this into practice. To crush your fear, annihilate your anxiety, and walk in complete confidence with a big old smile on your face. Andrew Tisdale, is there a smile on your face? Let me see behind that beard. Yes, there is a smile behind that beard. God's nature is defined as a true distinction that none other can compare and that it never
1: fades. I'm just going to quote this last verse to you. It's Revelation 14 and verse 12. It says this, This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus there is no God like our God. Josiah, there is no God who can take you from where you were and make you into a man of God. There is no God like our God who takes us and lifts us. See, he's not a man like us. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't need to say something that's more elevated. He is elevated. He doesn't need to lie. He will not lie. What he says, he will act upon. What he promises, he will fulfill. You need to rest assured in that. You need to have a confidence. You need to have some hoopamone, some patient endurance that says, it may not look like it today, but he won't fail on his word. We give ourselves way too much credit for being able to mess up God's plan. You just ain't that good at messing stuff up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're welcome. You are not good enough to mess him up. You are not good enough for him to go, I don't know what I'm going to do now. trying to use humor to get a point down into your soul. Why do we act that way then? No, I've done it. I've messed it up. My current circumstances make it look like I'm going to fail. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to fail. The way that I feel in this moment is... uh, uh, uh. You need some hupomone inside of you so that you can crush your fears, so that you can annihilate your anxious thoughts Does anybody admit to having anxious thoughts just every once in a while? Yes. Does anybody in this house need some confidence to be able to move forward? Yes. Yes. Isn't that what the Lord told us in the prophecies beforehand? Yes. You're going to have to step forward. You're going to actually have to walk in distinction because our God is truly distinct. He's the only one. He defines distinction. Amongst the heavenly beings, there are none like him. Amongst the powers that have ever existed, there is none like unto our God. Who is like him? You want to talk about a true distinction? God has given it to us tonight because he's allowing us to see into his heart. He's allowing us to see into who he is. Stand to your feet with me.
0: As Pastor Sherry and walking through these steps, I can see, sense, and feel your confidence rising. I can see heads picking up. And get it? It's a Wednesday, and you guys came in with lots of enthusiasm and a heart after God for worship. And it continued in the message. But I want to make sure that we're all landing on the same point. We walked you through in this message through the very first three steps of the tabernacle. And here's how. When we went to Numbers 23, we were identifying who the Father is, how he's showing himself to us. He is the God who fulfills every word. Not one thing that he says that does he not do. He's faithful to his word, and he's faithful to himself. We then went to Micah 7 to look at the ability to annihilate anxiety at the bronze altar. He is the God who Wants to pardon. He is the God who wants to forgive. He is ready and looking forward to that, showing compassion, delighting in it. And then in Psalm 89, having that reflection of who God is out of the heavens, that He's feared, that He's awesome and mighty in us. You know, the one who the benign Elohim point to and say, fear him, that's the God that dwells inside of you. And here's exactly why we're being very deliberate about these steps. I had many conversations with you guys, and God is helping you get a greater understanding of how to engage his presence through the tabernacle. And where our church is right now is we need a greater depth of understanding of what happens at the miracle of the labor. The conversations I'm having or I get to the labor. I just don't know what to do. I can't move past it. I'm stuck. I'm trying to believe the, the 12 gates, the 12 things that God has said about me. I'm trying to believe his renewed, his uh, divine image that's inside of me. But it's so hard for me to see. When you get stuck go back one step and evaluate, did you do that step rightly? And so when you back up and you go to the bronze altar, the question is, was I sacrificing what the Lord wanted me to sacrifice? And the answer is no. You're just kind of picking something at random of what you thought would be a sacrifice, almost like taking you know, spaghetti noodles and throwing them against the wall and just seeing what sticks. Lord, would this please you? Would this please you? I'm not sure. Would this please you? And then you feel an obligation to then have to go to the labor. That's not why it's not working correctly. From the bronze altar, you go back a step. And you begin at the gates of praise. And I'm sharing with you from my personal testimony. I kept getting stuck at the labor. I kept trying to believe. It's like, man, I just need to put some more effort in believing that God's renewed images that work in me. And I know it's there. But it's not having effect right now. That's because where I was starting at the gates of praise, I was off on the wrong foot. And here's how. I began to search on my own some good God-like characteristics that I could choose to begin to praise Him about. I start out on the foot of me determining who He is to me. I was guiding it. It's like reaching in a grab bag of really good things about God and just saying, Hmm, this one will not work. I stopped and I realized, Lord, I need you to initiate so that I can reciprocate. I need you to show me who you are to me and then I'm going to respond to that. You know what that looks like? That looks like God revealing himself to me. I am the maker of heavens and earth, and the works of my hand never fail. Never. And the minute that I just paused and submitted myself and asked him to reveal himself to me, immediately, like a flood, he was ready to give it to me. And I, I literally just stood in awe at my time of prayer, and I went, I see it. I see your works. They're awesome. They're eternal. Your hands never fail to produce something that lasts forever. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then a grip caught me in my heart. That's not me. Now there's a comparison between you and me. See, that first step of knowing the Father sets up everything rightly from that point forward in the the temple, the tabernacle. That I could look and say, the works of my hands are not eternal. They're just something that's temporal. They fade like wood, hay, and straw. Lord, I hate this in me. Kill it and crucify it. He says, yes, that's the right sacrifice I want from you. Now I'm pleased. And it's burned up, and I rejoice, and I'm delighting in the forgiveness. I'm delighting in his compassion that's being poured out in me. And then I can stand, I can look back at the smoke of my sinful nature and go, that's pleasing to you, God. And I can step rightly in front of the laver as holy, as pleasing, and go, I can see myself rightly now. As the heavens reflect in the basin of the laver back up at me, I can see God inside of me and I stand up full of confidence knowing that I can and I will be a son of God. As God has been revealing this greater depth and understanding, I'm watching your prayer life change. And I can tell because I see the fruit of it. I see a great level of confidence that's there. But we have to go back a step and make sure that we realign it in the shalom and function which God designed.
1: Church, we want you to get this. if you've got fear the only fear you should have is of him and we know that but we don't want you to walk around with that thing that tightens in your chest those anxieties that trouble your soul we want you to be a group of people who are confident because you understand the exalted one and his renewed image of you (laughs) raise your hands with me right now let's cry out to the Lord mighty God We're asking you to direct us now. More than an emotional plea, Lord, we want you. There is none like unto you, O Lord. There's no God like our God who loves to offer forgiveness, who is unlike a man. He does not lie. He does not say something and then not act on it. He does not promise and then fail to fulfill. Who is like unto you, O Lord? Lord, you who love to be compassionate, you who love to move upon us again and again and again, move upon us tonight, mighty one. Lord, crush our fear annihilate this constant anxiety that we have give us great confidence because you are above all even the heavenly beings must fear you lord and because there is forgiveness because you offer forgiveness we also fear you mighty god move upon your people tonight raising us up Letting it moved from just thoughts that we're having down deep into our soul. Lord, we can have confidence tonight. We can have confidence because of you. We can have confidence that you will fulfill every good desire that you have for us. Lord, move in this place tonight.